Isn't it always a sweet time when we come to the feet of Jesus? And when we come into his presence. I am more convinced than I have ever been that if we are not praying people, we're probably not going to be due to much doing. He's our source. He is our strength. And without Him, we can do nothing. I hope that you've made a commitment as we're coming into a new year. My prayer for this church is that we've made a commitment that we're going to take prayer seriously. Amen. And we're going to make it a priority in our lives and in the life of this church. Yep. I've no, you've heard this story, but I'm always impressed with this story, and there's so much truth to this story. Charles Hedden Spurgeon at one time probably had one of the largest congregations in the world. It's been said that uh, in its heyday, people were getting saved every service. They were getting saved on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and on Wednesday nights. Matter of fact, it was uh, such a, uh, a work of God that even the newspaper became interested in it and sent a reporter out to the church wanting to know what was going on. I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that the local newspapers would want to come to Hillcrest not because of something uh, that we were controversial about, but they are just wanting to know what is going on. Yeah. I mean, we're hearing about people getting saved and I don't understand. Well, what, well they went and uh, their caretaker, they met the caretaker, the reporter did. He starts talking to them and he says, uh, I just uh, need to know why, what, what, is, what is the secret of success here at this church? Back then, they had a boiler. And so the caretaker takes the reporter down to the boiler room. And so the reporter looks around. He says, well, okay, well, I don't. He says, well, every time that uh, Dr. Smurgeon gets up to preach, there are a group of men down, and the boiler room was right under the pulpit area. He says, every time he gets up to preach... There are men underneath him praying for souls to be saved and for God to move. Well, some years had passed. Things weren't like they used to be. So the reporter goes back. Some years later, they're not getting reports of people getting saved every service and things had dropped off a little bit. So the reporter comes back and talks to the caretaker and he says, now, uh, I've come and I know that things are not like they used to be. I'm just kind of curious what has happened. Caretaker takes him back down to the boiler room. And he, he, the man looks at, hey, I've, I've been here before and you said this was the place of why uh, success was going on, why things were happening there. Well, why are you taking me back down here? He says, the reason why things are not like they used to be is because now when he gets up to preach, there's no one down there praying. Yeah. A lot of truth to that. Yeah. We need the power of God like we've never known it before. Yeah. It's 
you will ask any pastor, you can go anywhere part of the country and you'll, and you'll ask them, what's the difference between the days that gone by and today? And they'll tell you many times over, it's harder now to reach people. It's harder now to get people to come to church than it ever has been. And I believe one of the reasons for that is because we've quit praying. We've quit praying. So, uh, here we're in Luke chapter 11. Look at verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he was, speaking of Jesus, as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, before we go any further, we see that uh, the John that is referenced here is John the Baptist. I find it interesting uh, that the uh, disciple that was coming uh, was made allude, uh, alluded to John the Baptist. I find it interesting because, first of all, uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verse number 28, I believe, uh, but he made reference to, and he said, of all the prophets, John's the greatest. But then he goes and we see John the Baptist was the forerunner for our Lord. He went before the Lord. He was preaching repentance. And then they were talking about him. And he says, oh, oh, he says, there's one that's far greater than me coming. And he was pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. We also see uh, that John, when you look at John, John also was a martyr for the faith. But we also, I think, is interesting that Jesus... Now, I don't know about you, but... uh, You know, we all like for people to say something nice about us. And we all like that. You can go ahead and say, I don't care if nobody likes me. You're lying. You want somebody to say something good about you, something nice about you. But if no one else says anything good about you, I sure want my Jesus to say something good about me. And so here, Jesus himself said, John, of all the prophets, he's the greatest. Pretty good, huh? And but so John, and John had, a, it seems to be that of all the accolades that John had, all the things that he could, matter of fact, John the Baptist had a Holy Ghost spell while he was in his mother's womb. That happened to you? So I don't remember if it did. So if John, and it appears that he made prayer a priority, why else would the disciple come and ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples? Apparently, John had a pretty good reputation. That's a man of prayer. And so if John, with all the accolades, and even with a glowing report from the Lord Jesus, if he thought prayer needed to have top priority in our lives, how much more do we need to make prayer a top priority in our lives? But also we see not only John, but uh, it appears that Jesus put a, high priority on prayer as well. Jesus, many times over, you would find him praying. 
Here in the text, in chapter number 1, we see that uh, he was in a certain place. We've talked about that in the past, about how we ought to have a certain place or a special place. Now, understand we can pray anywhere at any time, but I think because the Lord uh, himself thought it was good to have a certain place that you went and you went one-on-one with the Lord Jesus. And so he, he says... Jesus, he, uh, he would prayed at his baptism. He, he prayed before he had to uh, choose the 12. We see many times over, he prayed at the mountain of transfiguration. And so not only do we see John uh, thought prayer needed to be a top priority, our Lord thought prayer needed to be a top priority for us as well. But then he goes on in verse number 2 and he says, And he said unto them, When you pray... Not if you pray, when you pray. See, Jesus, he just assumed that you were going to pray. He just assumed that we, if we were followers of him and we wanted to be an example uh, that he was our example and we see Jesus praying many times over, we see him praying that he just assumed if you were a believer, you were going to pray. When you pray, say... And so we see the priority of prayer. Now we start moving into the pattern of prayer. He says, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now, we, because of time's sake, we won't be able to go uh, no further than this because there's so much included in that. But the first thing I want you to notice uh, in our prayer or in the pattern, Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you need to go about it. First of all, he says, you call upon your heavenly Father. As we see many people call this the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's been called the Lord's Prayer not because the Lord prayed it. How can we say that? Well, if you looked at the prayer, Jesus did not pray this prayer because Jesus never had to ask for forgiveness of his sins because I need to remind you tonight, he was sinless. He was the perfect one. He was the Holy One. Jesus did not have to pray forgiveness of his sins because he did not sin, nor did he have the capacity to sin. And that's the reason why he and he alone is the only one qualified to be our ultimate sacrifice because his blood is pure. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And so here uh, we call it the Lord's Prayer because he taught this prayer. He was giving them a blueprint. He was giving them a pattern, a framework, if you will. And the first thing he says that you will pray uh, that you will address him as our Father. So the first thing when we're praying, we need to recognize our source, our Heavenly Father. But when we notice the source, we will now have rest. 
See, when we understand that when we're praying, He's our source. We don't have to look to anything else. We don't have to get another prayer book, if you will. We don't have to go to someone else. We don't have to get another opinion upon this. We understand that He is our ultimate source. And when we know that when we come to pray uh, and come into His presence, is that we're coming into a presence of the one who can supply all of our needs. And when I understand that, I have rest. I have rest that he's going to take care of everything that I need. And so here we see in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse number 3, this is the Lord speaking. He says, if you call upon me, I will answer. But notice how he's going to answer. He says, here's how I answer. I'm going to answer and I'm going to show you great things and I'm going to show you mighty things and I'm going to show you things that you never thought were possible. Only God, our Heavenly Father, is the source of something like that. And so he says, our Father. Now notice, he goes on and he says uh, that he is our Holy Father. He's our, uh, the, or, uh, he says, uh, hallowed be their name. That word hallowed means holy. So he's our Holy Father. By the way. He's the only one that deserves that title. The Pope does not deserve that title. Matter of fact, and I'm not trying to be ugly and I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'm telling you, I will never ever call another man a my holy father because I only have one holy father and his name is the Lord Jesus. And he and he alone is worthy to be called holy. So, he says, hello. Uh, we see, not only do we see he's our source, but we see his sacredness. And because of that, we can thank him for all things. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 20, that's what it says. It says, we can thank him uh, because uh, we can thank him for all things because he's responsible for all things. And so we see here, he's our Holy Father. We see that he's our source. Second of all, we see that he's holy. He's our Holy Father. Uh, that helps us to understand his sacredness. But notice also that we must have the right motive. Uh, so we see that because we call upon our Heavenly Father, we understand he's our source. We understand his sacredness. And we also understand uh, that he uh, deserves all reverence. But then when we hear and he says, pray thy kingdom come, we're recognizing the fact that we have to have the right motive in our praying. You're not praying for your kingdom. We're praying for his kingdom. Sometimes we have issues with that. We've already alluded to this. We've talked about this in the past. But I have to be reminded on a daily basis, it's easy for me to get off track. It's easy to me to go ahead, and even though I won't say it because I know it's not the right thing to say, but in my mind and sometimes in my heart, I want to go ahead and I want to pray, and basically I want to tell the Lord what He needs to do for me. 
It ain't about me. It's not about you. It's about his kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. But aren't you glad you're a part of the kingdom? And you're part of the kingdom because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we go and he says their kingdom. But notice that how do we get the right motive? Well, the Bible tells us, seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. So my question for you tonight is in your prayer life, are you seeking his kingdom? Are you seeking his will? Are you seeking an understanding that he is the source of all that you need and all that uh, he will provide for you? And so here, notice, before he even starts to make his request, he's bringing glory and honor into the Father. Here's how we pray. We get our laundry list out and say, Lord... And then we start spitting it off. Are we not guilty of that? Well, we just jump right into it. Lord, I need you to do this today. Lord, I need you to do that. Notice Jesus says, here's how you pray. First and foremost, you bring glory and you give attention to the one who rightfully deserves your priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first his will for your life. And so he goes and he, and he, and he, goes and he talks about uh, seeking. But notice here that uh, uh, as we go to the request, uh, he says your will. Uh, we've already talked about that. Now, uh, why are we seeking uh, his will? Well, his will is superior than our will. His Thinking is far, far superior in your thinking. We all agree with that, would we not? We all agree that his thoughts are more superior than our thoughts. And so we will say all of that, but when it comes to our prayer life, sometimes we forget that. Because we might go ahead and say it with our lips, but in our minds we're saying, Lord, I know that, but I really would like for you to do it this way. Jesus says when you pray, first and foremost, all your attention goes to him. Lift his name up. Glorify him. Do you do that in your prayer life? See, I've heard even people say, I don't know how you could pray. Uh, if you study, uh, when, uh, in school we would have to study uh, some of the great preachers of yesteryear. And one common thread kept on coming through with those that God used in a mighty way. They were men of prayer. It's been said that many of them would, before the day would start, they would pray for three and four hours. Even before the day got started, one was asked, so how do you have time to do all the things that you do? You, you tell us that you spend three or four hours. And I'm not saying, uh, pray, I'm not talking about sometimes how our prayers go. You know, we'll start throwing prayers and the next thing you know, we're going to go ahead and discuss we're going to go ahead and talk about it. We're going to go ahead. When we're praying for someone who has a physical illness, and we should be praying for those who have physical illness, but it's, it's interesting to me that we'll go ahead and may throw it out. Hey, we need to pray for our brother so-and-so. You know, he, he's got a heart ailment. And then we'll go ahead and give every minor detail of what's going on with them. 
And then what happens is we look at the guy and say, well, man, it's time to go. And we hadn't even got down to praying. We're guilty of that. Here we, we see that they, men, great men of God, you studied, uh, you will understand, they were men, the men that were powerful and that God used in a mighty way were men of prayer. And they would pray three or four hours. And some would say, I don't see how you have the time. They said, oh, let me tell you, here's the reason why I can do all that I can do and go to the places I'm going to is because I do spend that three or four hours with my Lord Jesus because I've come to recognize he is my source. He's my supplier. He's my strength. And because of prayer, he's enabled me to do what I can do for the kingdom's business. When's the last time that you spent most of the, before you even got started about your request, when's the last time you just bragged on Jesus? You just started saying, thank you, Jesus, and start rallying on and say, Lord, you've done this for me. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. I praise you. I bring you glory. And when's the last time? Know what we want to do? We want to get in there and we want to say, okay, here's what you need to do for me today. And then we wonder why we don't have power. Jesus says, if you want to have power, before you get started with your request, you start praising and lifting up the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he goes, and uh, I, I just wrote this, is that he is our supplier. Notice here, though, there was a word. As he goes, he says, and give us. That word give. Now, understand the context here. Now, hopefully I can, uh, we, we'll get around is that some people say, well, that means I can just go ahead and uh, I can quit my job because I got faith. The Lord's going to take care of me. And so I quit my job and I'm going to sit in my chair and I'm going to say, Lord, I know you're a great supplier. Lord, I know you told me that you'll supply all my needs. And so, Lord, I just want you, I'm not going to do anything about it, but I just want you to go ahead and pour your blessings out upon me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That's not what that word is saying. You have to look at the context. The context is, is that you're asking him, you're requesting him, but you realize you have the responsibility too. He expects you to do something about your praying. And, and, and uh, here's what's happened. We, we got the health and wealth guys, and basically that's what they're saying. Oh, you know, he'll take care of all your needs. Asking you shall receive. But they're taking it out of context. Now, I'm going to show you something. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Look at verse number 13. You got it? <clears throat> Paraphrasing here. But here, the Lord's speaking. Okay, the Lord is speaking. He says, now, you, if you ask in... Whose name? His name. When we're praying and we're asking, we're asking in His name. If we're asking in His name, that means that when you're mentioning His name, you're also going to be mentioning all His attributes. For instance, my name's Mike. And when you 
say Mike, or you say, hey, you know, that, you know Mike Shelby. Oh, yeah, I know him. And so what goes on? You start visualizing who I look like. He's tall, dark, good-looking, gets confused of being Tom Selleck many times over. Well, maybe that's a little too far with it. But when, when, watch it. And so when you're mentioning Mike, you get, you get a video. Okay, I know who he is, right? I, I know something about him. I know that he, he's the associate pastor at Hillcrest. I, I know he's got a wife and he's got kids and we sure know he has grandchildren because that's all he talks about. But anyway, so you, you have that. So when you're asking his name, when you're asking in the name, you're asking in a holy name, you're asking to the one who's the source of all of your needs, you're asking for the one who is... Uh, going to supply your needs. So we're asking in his name, right? So when we're asking, now we'll notice as you look at John 14, 13. So you're asking in his name, but notice he, he says, here's why you're asking. What does it say in that verse? Just go, it's okay to talk. What does it say in that verse as you keep on reading? Just throw it out here. Holler. I'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it? Yep. What else? Does, does it say anything else? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm asking. Why, why am I asking? Just because I've gotten into that wealth and health stuff where, where you ask anything. You give them the desires of your heart. He'll meet all that. That's not what it's saying. It's saying when you're asking, you're asking in his name. And if you're asking in his name, that means that when he gives you the answer, it's always the right answer. And you're also, when you're asking, you're asking so you can glorify him. How do we ask? Now, then hear me out. Now, now, watch this. It is not wrong to pray for people's physical healing. I believe, I still believe he does that. I have no problems with that. But here's my next question. Why are we praying for their physical healing? Many times over, it's for selfishness. Hear me. When we're asking, we're asking to glorify Him. Isn't that what it says? We're asking to glorify Him. So when I'm praying, and, and, and here there's Troy, I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, I, I'll just ask you to, Lord, if it's your will, if it's your will, you just touch His body and you make Him whole. Now, I know Troy's going to say, thank you, thank you. You keep on praying for me. I want you to know, I want you to pray for the healing of my eyes. I believe if God so chooses, I can have 2020. He says, well, that's impossible. That would be a miracle. I believe in miracles. But why am I, why am I asking for the healing of my eyes? And I might have said this before, and I want you to know, it took a while for me to do this. And, and, and I know we go, but, 
It, it, I, I'm, I'm not saying it happened overnight, and I still wrestle with it some, but I've also, in my prayer time, when I ask God, God, would you heal my eyes? And I still write that, God, if it's your will. But Lord, if it causes me to be less dependent upon you, I don't want you to heal my eyes. Now, you, you're starting to see how this thing's going? This is for God's glory and for his sake and for the kingdom's work. And so here we see, but notice, notice the contents. Jesus is leaving Jerusalem. He's on his way to death. He's fixing to die on a rugged cross. He's taking his disciples and they stop in the vineyard. And he gives the vineyard discourse. And he tells them, I'm the vine. Ye are the branches. He says, and if you abide in me and I abide in you. Remember when he said that? Why are we abiding on him? To produce fruit. Okay, watch this. He, you're saved. If you're saved, he saved you to produce fruit. And if we're for God's glory... And if that means when I pray, I'm asking his will. And if he so chooses not to heal me, he still gets the praise and all the glory. And it very will be that I'm producing more fruit without my healing than I would with my healing. Then that's the way I ought to be praying. And so he says, he says, produce more fruit, produce more fruit. That's the reason why you're praying. You should be praying. Whatever you're praying, Lord, I want to be producing more fruit. Lord, I want to bring glory to your name. Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. It would radically change your prayer life. Because we've taken ourselves out of it. I didn't say it was easy to do. I struggle with it. I still struggle with it. I want to be able to see well. I want to be able. But I'm telling you, God has given me grace just like he's given many of you. Some of you have been praying for something in your life and you're wanting it and you thought that was God's will, but it turns out that God had a different plan. I'm telling you, that's all right because it could very well be you're not producing as much fruit as you would if you went ahead and answered the request that you'd made. And that's what this is all about. This thing's not about us. It's about the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Quickly, remember Peter when he was in jail? Find it there in Acts. I love this story. Peter's in jail, and they got a prayer meeting going on. Y'all remember that? And uh, they're, they're praying for him to be released from prison, uh, you know, and then an angel appears to Peter, and uh, Peter is escorted out by an angel. Peter goes to the prayer meeting, I said, these had to be Baptist. They had to be Baptist. Knock on the door. Girl comes to the door. Ooh, looks like Peter. 
Runs back, there they are praying. Oh, God, would you release our brother Peter? Oh, God, would you do it? Oh, God, we know you can do it. Lord, you're mighty God. You can get him out of prison. You can release him. We're praying. Oh, oh, hey, hey, guys. Hey, Peter's at the door. What was their answer? No, he's not. That can't be. Boy, wouldn't you like to have that bunch praying for you? But, but the, the story here, now, that, that was God. God did a mighty, mighty work there. And here's, here's what I, I came across this saying. It's, I love this saying. It says, that, talking about Peter, that the angel fetched Peter, but prayer fetched the angel. That's what we're talking about. See, God wants nothing but the best for each and every one of us. He made you. Don't you think He knows what you really need? But sometimes we want to argue. Lord, that's not the answer I was looking for. My dad had lung cancer. I might have told you the story. We're closing, going to the invitation. I prayed for my dad's healing. Prayed for my dad's healing. Prayed for my dad's healing. We would have a Saturday night, the church that we were attending, church that I got called out of, we would have a men's prayer time at 1030 on Saturday nights. Whole church was praying for my daddy. Praying for my daddy, praying for my daddy. Dad's getting worse. My dad goes to be with the Lord. I struggled with that. I said, Lord, I don't understand. I've been praying for my daddy, and my daddy got saved five years before he died, and my dad was an alcoholic. But uh, God got a hold of him, saved him, radically saved him. I was able to baptize my dad on an Easter Sunday morning. Uh, and, I'm th- and I'm arguing with God. God, why would you take my daddy now? He's serving you. He's faithful to you. He's a prayer warrior. I don't understand it. Lord, I could understand when he was an alcoholic and when he was uh, no good. I, I could see you taking him then. But why would you take him now? I prayed for his healing. I'm just telling you. I mean, God didn't see eye to eye on this. I went to my pastor. I said, here's the problem. I, I said, I prayed for my daddy's healing, my daddy to get healed. He looked at me and he said, Mike, your prayers were answered. I said, what do you mean? He said, your daddy now has the ultimate healing. You see what we're talking about here? God knows best. God knows what he's doing. And so in our prayer life, notice here that we need to get ourselves out of the picture. And when we pray, we're praying to bring glory and honor into Him and Him alone. And however He answers your prayer, it's always the right answer.